Welcome to The Growth Factor, a broadcast ministry of St. Mark Baptist Church. Today, as part of our family, you will experience the life-changing and spirit-nurturing Word of God. Please enjoy this time with us as we're committed to helping you grow in knowledge, grow in faith, and grow in God. St. Mark Baptist Church, you grow here. Well, welcome back to the Growth Factor Podcast, a broadcast ministry of the St. Mark Baptist Church here in Little Rock, Arkansas. My name is Pastor John. I'm one of the pastors on staff here at St. Mark. And as always, I'm joined by our senior pastor, Dr. Philip L. Pointer Sr. And we're in the middle of a series that we're calling Make It Make Sense. We've been helping you all help you to read and interpret the Bible. How do you study scripture? So we're talking about our investigation stage right now mm -hmm. and working through the genres of scripture. We went through a bunch of genres initially and we said, you know what? We're going to do exactly what we tell people. We're going to slow down. And so we slowed down on the parables. We've slowed down on the apocalyptic literature. And now we're going to slow down on the epistles or the letters that we find in the New Testament because we think they're. Uh, important enough for us to be able to unpack them. As a matter of fact, 21 of the 27 books in the New Testament are in the form of a letter. And it's very important for us to understand this as a genre, as well as understand how to properly interpret each one of these. John, when we when you talk about and the word epistle is something that we don't hear every day yeah uh, so when we talk about them we really want you to think letter and when you think of a letter you know people don't really write a lot of hand letters anymore but it, it used to be there was a time when receiving a letter was special mm. now most of us don't like checking the mail <laughs> you know what I mean because <laughs> it's just gonna be bills and it's gonna be solicitations you've already been approved and you don't even know my real name I mean you know what I mean but but there there was a time when receiving a letter was special mm. you know I remember uh, that great woman of God uh, Celie would go to the <laughs> mister and ask anything come for me because she was anticipating hoping receiving a letter i fixed that mailbox yes yeah i fixed it i could tell if it'd be messed with uh, but but letters mean something um mm -hmm. letters are personal mm -hmm. they're relational uh and when we read them that is one of the major keys to really grabbing them uh is the is the relational aspect uh, of the letters and to and to hear we're, we're getting the privilege of hearing a conversation between two people or at least one part of a conversation and sometimes they give us insight into the other part mm -hmm. um, between two people that love each other yeah you yeah. know a, 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 an apostle in a church mm -hmm. that he loves or a, a group of people that that he loves and that that makes these special yeah that yeah. God communicated divine truth through this intimate exchange and relationship. And it's important that people understand that these are means and modes of communication. Mm -hmm. Just as today we send out emails, mm -hmm. the way you send emails and what you write in emails, those forms of communication communicate messages. Yeah. If I write an email to one of our staff members and I say, 
per my previous email. <laughs> right, right. And I start like that. Yeah, that right. means you should have read that first right. email yeah, you, before. <laughs> you, you understand the tone. <laughs> you get the tone behind yeah, it. Exactly. And so what we're looking at is the tone of these letters coming from someone who has visited these locations, know people there, who are thinking about people there mm-hmm. as they write. And they mm-hmm. mention some of these people in their letters. So. Yeah. We have to be mindful of that idea that they're writing this to an audience, to an actual people that they've been in communication with and contact with. And they may not be there in person. Right. But they want to communicate some truth to that particular congregation. Yeah, With the exception of Romans, you're talking about people who know each other. And Romans is the unique one Mm -hmm. where Paul has not yet been to Rome, but he knows he loves the church at Rome. He aspires to be there with them. Um but he knows intimately who they are based on the mutual relationships that they have uh, as, as well. It's, you know, people have become very close friends on social media in, yeah. in the same kind of way. Yeah. Uh, so, the, and then when they really meet, they embrace, I mean, people have become genuine friends on Twitter, mm-hmm. those kind of things. Some of y'all met your boo online <laughs> in the same way Romans is that kind of, it, it makes it no less intimate and personal, mm-hmm. even though Paul had not yet met them in person. And that, that's that's one of the critical keys um, to to grabbing mm-hmm. these in in their concept and in their content. Yeah. And we use the word epistle because it really is a common form of communication in the New Testament context. Mm-hmm. And when you have these epistles or letters, they're going to take this certain form or structure. Yeah. Uh, you're always going to have an introduction and then have the text or the body and then have a conclusion to each one of these letters. And you'll see that over and over again Mm -hmm. in each one of these letters or epistles that we're going to see an introduction. You're going to see a thanks, uh, some Thanksgiving in there. Mm -hmm. You'll see the body and then you'll see conclusion. Yeah. Common in, in, in the, in the new Testament, common in the, in the Greco Roman world Mm -hmm. of the new Testament around it. This is how you communicated um, at distance. It was, it was the, it was the email text message of that day. Mm. And so what we will see as a distinction, though, especially in the introductions, and we've talked about this briefly before, is that generally you'll have uh, these letters to coming in the Greco-Roman world that just have this word greetings. Mm-hmm. But what the apostles do, what, what uh, Paul and others do, is they, they use this phrase, grace and peace, mm-hmm. that they use this concept the word greetings actually is from the same root of grace, mm-hmm. which is charis. Yeah. But they carry it into the context of the Christian practice mm-hmm. by saying grace and peace. So it is really kind of admonishment to the Greco-Roman world. Like y'all really don't know grace. Yeah. It's, it, <laughs> and, and it carries even forward, more, uh, more forward in the pastoral epistle. So when we read James, who writes very early to the 12 tribes scattered abroad, greetings. Mm-hmm. Paul to his uh, to the churches that he writes to, grace and peace, grace and peace, grace and peace. Then when he gets to Timothy and Titus, it's grace, mercy, mm. and peace. And those are the pastoral epistles yeah. we'll talk about in a moment. But pastors need mercy. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> you know, y'all, may, y'all need grace and peace. We need mercy because we got to deal with y'all. <laughs> yeah, but it, 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 it carries more than just the, the common hello. Mm-hmm. It's the difference between asking, oh, how you doing, and asking, how are you doing? Yeah, it's a different tone. Those, that's very di- two different things. Same yeah. words. So the Greco-Roman world was a very, how you doing? Mm. The epistles of scripture are, how are you doing? Mm. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. And that's the tone that they have. Yeah. And so that's what these epistles do. They really do presuppose two different audiences. Mm-hmm. They presuppose that someone's written something to an intended audience. Mm-hmm. And that is going to be a key theme throughout what we're talking about with these letters. Because if you don't know who it is that's writing it and who they're writing it to, you will misinterpret it for our current context. Yeah. And we've seen this happen over and over again. Paul's been made out to be a bad guy. Oh, Paul gets such a bad rap. <laughs> he gets such a bad rap. He's called a sexist and a misogynist and at Everything. times of complicit with uh, human trafficking. I mean, just mm. all kinds of things because yeah. context is not considered. Yeah. We read these words. We talk about it all the time through Western lenses mm. rather than through first century lenses of that world. And boy, we miss Paul's heart and intent mm. often when we do that. Uh, John, I'll, I'll give an example. My father, y'all know, in terms of my heart for preaching and teaching and, and study habits and those kind of things, all those came from, from my father. My father went to a convention one time that I wasn't able to go to, and uh, I was a teenager starting to, starting to preach. My father brought back um, uh, some... VHS tapes. Mm. I, I know we got some. Some people might not know what that is. VHS tapes, you know, before <laughs> streaming and <laughs> that kind of thing. Before DVD, there were these actual <laughs> tapes you had to put inside of a VCR. To pr- anyway, he brought me back these VHS tapes to watch the the presenters and preachers at the conference. I wasn't able to attend. He wrote a, a note on a kind of a torn off half a piece of paper. Is mm. it son? Um, I love you. Making an investment in your uh, life and ministry and um, you know keep these they'll they'll serve you well don't forget to rewind them mm-hmm. and uh, so you always are able to see them in their fullness from the beginning da, 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 da. He, just something so I went preach on, somewhere John and I just did a horrible job with the text mm-hmm. um, it was bad <laughs> it was bad it was cliched um, surface of the text. I just missed it. I just missed it bad. <clears throat> My father hears the tape and one of the many lessons he gave me about understanding relationship and audience was he grabbed that slip of paper that he had just given me mm. and said, he read it and he said, Philip, I want to preach today from the word rewind. Mm. And he's, he goes into this kind of 10 minute um, off the cuff thing on rewind. Now, here's the thing: he was killing <laughs> on rewind. You know, you know, you, you've been going forward, but sometimes you got to rewind to remember. He's just and he's just going off the cuff. Now he said, "Now, is that what I was trying to tell you when I wrote this?" I said, "Absolutely mm-hmm. not." Mm-hmm. He said, "Well, that's what you did with that text. Wow, you took a piece of it, yeah, and you took it out of its context. You did not honor the relationship." Mm-hmm. Therefore, it's invalid. Yeah. If a person reads this, the only way they will understand why I wrote it mm. is they would understand a father's love for his son mm. and investment in his ministry. Mm. Rewind is incidental. Wow. And that, that's, that's the key to epistles. It's grabbing that I love, the, I'm writing this because I love you. Mm. There's something I need to communicate to you, whether it's correction, whether it's comfort, 
whether it's a challenge, yeah. whatever it is, something to bring you clarity, whatever it is, it's the relationship that matters mm. between the two. And we'll see it in, in Paul's letters especially. He always starts with, man, I thank God for you mm. for these reasons. Mm. Mm. When I heard of your faith or when, you know, then he may have to get sticky. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm. You're wrong here. You, you messed up there. Um, but those, those kinds of things always matter so that when I read Paul yeah. saying things that seem to be misogynistic or oppressive or sexist or things like that, let me put it in the cultural context yeah. and then put it in the context of his love for the people he's writing to yeah. to grab his intent. Yeah. And that way I can interpret it properly. And then let's put that also into historical context because mm-hmm. I always remember the words of Howard Thurman when he said that his grandmother told him that she would never, ever again read the words of the Apostle Paul. Mm-hmm. And it was because as an enslaved person, she would hear the slave masters use Paul mm-hmm. in a way that would treat her as less than human. Mm-hmm. So she came to the conclusion that all of Paul's theology was what led to the slave master treating her that way. And she decided that I'm just going to eliminate all of Paul. Ignore all of it. And yeah. that's a historical reality for our people, for, for mm-hmm. African-Americans. But um, today, ignorance is no excuse. Mm-hmm. I think that we've been exposed and have enough information and we are giving you all information, especially here uh, on this session that will help you to understand the context so you can not say, well, I didn't know that about Paul. Yeah. Well, we want to help you understand uh, Paul's approach and the first century approach so you can bridge that gap. She didn't have a bridge built for her. Mm-hmm. We do. And you need to be able to utilize that bridge in order to best understand that context so that you can understand what Paul is saying. Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let, let's get into it. I really want to get into the specifics of Paul's talking to women yeah, and, yeah, 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 and yeah. slaves, yeah. Um, which we misread mm. again because we miss intent. And when you grab intent and you look at his words, you're like, oh, that's Paul is actually we'll talk about it. We'll yeah, talk yeah, about yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so let's let's start here, though, because I think people understand that there are 21 um, books that are letters. But uh, one of the things that I didn't understand early in my Christian walk was that these letters are not laid out chronologically. Right. But they are laid out in a systematic way. Yes. So Paul's letters are going to appear first. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know this as an early Christian. They're longest to shortest. Yes. <laughs> yes. I was like, mind blown. <laughs> <laughs> right. right. It, again, we let's despookify it. Yeah. When they were putting the New Testament, gathering these books, and they had established in what we call canonizing scripture, canon mm-hmm. simply meaning rule. The rules were, uh, how do we know it's inspired? Who wrote it? Um, and and did they have apostolic authority or apostolic commendation? Um was it used widely by the church? Did the church generally agree that it was um, divinely inspired, those kinds of things? Well, okay, well, we got these books. How are we going to put them in order? Well, let's just put them in. Well, Matthew is first mm-hmm. because they thought Matthew was written first, but it wasn't. Mark, most people believe Mark was first, and so that little order. Then when they get to Paul's letters, they say, well, let's just 
Longest to shortest. Longest to shortest. Not deep at all. <laughs> not, not, not deep in any way. Romans just, is the longest? Just longest to shortest. Let's go there. <laughs> right. And then Philemon is the last yeah, one. Let's yeah, go yeah. there. Yeah, that's just how they did it. That's yeah. how they laid it out. Just so, that simple. So we got nine of Paul's letters that show up early on um, in the letters or epistles, uh, starting with Romans and running through Philemon. And these are letters that are written directly to church communities. Mm-hmm. Um, and so each one of these communities is actually a gathered body, a yes. gathered local body that has local issues that we're going to talk about. L- local issues in a local context, issues within, mm. issues without, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in and out, yep. which is going to shape what he says to them about their questions or their or their concerns. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then Paul writes now four letters to people, uh, individuals in the church. And you mentioned the pastoral epistles. And then he writes a letter to uh, a slave master. Mm -hmm. Um, So most of his letters have four, have multiple chapters. Okay. Philemon is just one chapter, but Mm -hmm. he felt like it was important enough for him to address this issue that we're going to look at here in a little bit, Mm -hmm. but it's included in this set of four letters. He writes one set to Timothy Mm -hmm. or two sets to Timothy, one to Titus Mm -hmm. who were mentors of his. So he had personal relationship with them Mm -hmm. and then writes this letter to Philemon. Yeah. Yeah. And, and some folk grew up thinking it was Philemon. It's pronounced (laughs) Philemon is, is his name. Mm. Um, And Philemon might be, the most unappreciated critical facts piece to grabbing Paul's theology of slavery. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it is the entire letter is irony, mm-hmm. which is, which is <laughs> the key to understanding it. The whole letter is irony. Paul is being ironic. He is, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. <laughs> and it's so beautifully written. Yeah, yeah. We, we will get to it. I, I want to talk about the anonymous letter. Mm-hmm. Um, and so some people don't know this, but uh, most scholars believe that the book of Hebrews, we can't necessarily identify the author. Mm-hmm. We know, no, we do know it's kind of high Jewish in its, mm-hmm. in its nature. It has a lot of Jewish imager, images. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of people may attribute it to, to Paul. Yeah. Um, but there are most scholars b- believe that it's an anonymous letter and it also reads like a sermon. Yeah. It, 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 it really, in, I, th- I think to to read Hebrews properly, we have to, not have to, it's helpful to think of it as a sermon. Mm-hmm. The the writer says, we, I think it's a manuscript of a sermon. Writer says, what more can I say for time does fail me? Well, that's what I say on every Sunday morning. <laughs> I ain't got time to tell you this. Um, so <laughs> uh, that that is, you know, traditionally it's been a lot of um, people attributed to the Apostle Paul um, it could be because Paul obviously would preach to Jews in a different way than he would preach to the Gentiles. He had a foot in both worlds. Yeah. He knew how to communicate with both audiences. This is very, very Jewish. He is trained at the feet of the greatest rabbi uh, of his day, and he is—he calls himself a Pharisee of Pharisees. He memorized the law backwards and forwards, knew all of the Midrash and all of those uh, interpretive um uh, documents around the law, he could have very easily uh, communicated about the law the way Hebrews does. Mm-hmm. Some have attributed it to Timothy, who also was raised uh, by a Jewish mother and Jewish grandmother, who also would have had that same kind of of uh, ability. And then there are other people who are 
um, who are considered um, candidates for writing the book of Hebrews. It is included in the canon because of its contribution to the overall teaching of Scripture and its affirmation by the uh, early church fathers as they were taught by the Apostle John, that this is a divinely inspired book, and therefore uh, it is included in the canon, even though the authorship is lost to us. Mm, Yeah. And then finally, we we have the Catholic epistles. Mm -hmm. Now, I know they all listened to our previous episodes, so they know exactly what we mean by Catholic. Yes, yes, you 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 know, John, you are like me. I tell Saint Mark all the time, as you know, when I say it one time, you got it. <laughs> I never need to repeat myself ever again. So ever. I'm not even going to explain. Okay, I got to explain it because I know that there are going to be some people that say Pastor P and John said we got Catholic <laughs> Catholic books in our Bible. <laughs> right. So Catholic literally just means universal. Mm-hmm. So when we say Catholic epistles or letters, we mean that this letter or these letters were not specifically written to a specific group, Mm -hmm. but to a larger diaspora of people. And that's what James mentions. And we're Mm -hmm. currently in a series in James. He says that these are to the 12 tribes in the diaspora. Right. And then John says, my little children, he mentions the groups of people, Mm -hmm. but not a specific group of people. Right. So all of these are going to be Catholic or universal epistles. Universal epistles. Or general ones. So that they do not have applications that are directly to local bodies. Mm-hmm. That's, the, that's the difference. So when Paul's writing his epistles, it's to yeah. local bodies. People in Corinth who got Corinthian issues. People in Galatia mm-hmm. got Galatian issues. People in Ephesus got Ephesus issues. Yeah. The Catholic epistles, meaning universal, just mean everybody. <laughs> it means everybody, regardless of where you are, this the applications of these principles are not localized. So James is not gonna say, Hey, I heard Jimmy over there right. is doing so and so and this, that, and the other. No, and it's gonna and, be general. And and Paul is gonna call your name. He's gonna call your name <laughs> out. Yeah. <laughs> All the way out. Yeah, he's gonna call your name. <laughs> y'all two over there. <laughs> in, in Philippians four. I heard I heard y'all two <laughs> ain't getting along. Y'all fix that right there. That's yeah. that's that good that's like that old pastor and my granddad used to do hey, is this Jones y'all, y'all out of order over there that's <laughs> <laughs> and so yeah. it culminates in the book of Jude and again each mm-hmm. one of these sets goes from longest to shortest and Jude is the last letter before we get to Revelation which is the shortest uh, shortest book there mm-hmm. now let's talk about what we need to keep in mind in interpreting before we move into a couple of different texts mm-hmm. um, what we need to know about interpretation is that when you look at these letters, and we've said this in this episode, and I hope you all understand that we're honing on this because it's so important, is that the epistles or the letters are the most occasional yeah. of all the New Testament genres. What does that mean? Well, occasional means they were written for a specific occasion. I'm writing to y'all because I heard about this, mm-hmm. and I want to set you straight mm-hmm. in, most, in most instances, right? So when you see that, you're going to see that there's an occasion for which the writer is writing the letter. Yeah. Um, I think a great example of this, we went through the book of Philippians last year. I think a great example of that is the book of Philippians where the apostle Paul is really writing a thank you note for a love offering that the Philippians sent to him when he was under house arrest in Rome. He addresses some other things, but the, but the real reason for the letter is that they sent him a gift 
to help him sustain himself when you were under house arrest in Rome. Mm. Um, you paid for your own imprisonment. <laughs> mm. And so they sent him a little something to help him out. <laughs> and he was saying thank you. And, and the deep love and affection again uh, pours out of that letter. And sometimes there are positive purposes and occasions, and sometimes there are issues that need to be addressed. Mm. We'll get on that in, in just a second. Yeah. So, so, so that's finding out why it was written is a key to understanding what has been written there. Yeah, yeah. Because you're either going to wind up with a universal principle mm-hmm. that can be applied all times to all people, or you're going to have these very time-bound, local, uh, limited issues that are going to have time-bound applications. And you have to understand the distinction between the two. There's a difference between Paul saying, Present your body as a living sacrifice, right? which is universal. It's everybody everywhere. I need this from everybody. And then what we're going to look at in his letter to the church at Corinth when dealing with women in the church. I I, I think let's look at that, John, because this is a great example of something that has been um, interpreted as universal when it was situational and, and cultural. Yep. So we're either going to get in trouble with some folks, which we okay with. Yeah, not the first or, time. Or set some folks free not in, the this, first in this Women's History Month as we record this. Yes, yes. <laughs> so we're looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And Paul is writing again to the Corinthian church. And he's addressing this issue of head coverings. Mm-hmm. Head coverings. And I'm going to start in verse number 2. He says, now I commend you because you remember me and everything and maintain the traditions, even as I delivered them to you. But I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ. The head of a wife is her husband and the head of Christ is God. Every man who prays or prophesies with his head covered dishonors his head. But every wife who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head since it is the same as if her head were shaven. For if a wife will not cover her head, then she should cut her hair short. But since it is disgraceful for a wife to cut off her hair or shave her head, let her cover her head. For a man ought not to cover his head, since he is the image and glory of God. But woman is the glory of man. For man was not made from woman, but woman from man. Neither was man created for woman, but woman for man. That is why a wife ought to have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. Mm-hmm. Nevertheless, in the Lord, women is not, woman is not independent of man, nor is man of woman. For as woman was made from man, so man is now born of a woman. And all things are from God. Judge for yourselves. Is it proper for your wife to pray to God with her head uncovered? Uh, I'll finish it up. Does not nature itself teach you that if a man wears long hair, it is disgraceful for him, but if a woman has long hair, it is her glory. For her hair is given to her for a covering. If anyone is inclined to be contentious, we have no such practice, nor do the churches of God. Sexist. See what I told you right Paul there? Paul is so sexist. Sexist right there. <laughs> or, or is he? That is the question. Or is he? Let me, let's, let's, let's get one of the interpretive issues out of the way. Mm-hmm. The word angels, mm-hmm. because of the angels, the word angel simply means messengers. messengers. Yeah. What the Apostle Paul is talking about are not the angels in heaven with wings and stuff. Mm-hmm. 
He's talking about people who like to gossip and tell business. And there's some of them in the church. And people who were coming to be nosy. <laughs> when he talks about this is because of the angels, he's talking about people who are coming in mm. and intentionally trying to mischaracterize yeah. the nature of this church, of the Christian church. Mm. Now, you got to remember, y'all, mm. the primary um, religious expression of this day was emperor worship. Furthermore, Corinth is a melting pot. It's on an isthmus, little strip of land between two bodies of land and two bodies of water. It's a melting pot. It's people from all over, everywhere, doing trade on this little strip of land. Very prosperous area, mm -hmm. but also a lot of different religions, practices, beliefs. One of the main things that was happening in Corinth is people were trying to say, this is just that, or they got this from them. Or this, it's not, this ain't nothing unique about that. Hmm. Paul, one of Paul's great concerns in Corinth is for the Christian community there to be distinct from the other religions and cults and practices around them. Yeah. So let's, let's, let's start with that part. Let's start with the angels part. Yeah, yeah. The other thing, uh, Pastor John, that we really got to grab about this is he's not talking about men and women. He's talking about husbands and wives. Facts. A clear distinction that he makes this here. This is very different. <laughs> very different. He is not talking about men and women in church. Mm -hmm. He's talking about husbands and wives and how they reflect their relationship, mm -hmm. albeit using the context of praying and prophesying. Let me also say, it's clear that women can preach to Paul. Now, see, <laughs> let's get that. Let's get that all all out the way. I'm not even. We're not even. I'm not even dealing with it. Yet. I'm just talking about on the surface of this thing. Mm -hmm. It's clear because it says, is verse four. Every man who prays or prophesies with his head covered dishonors his head. But every wife who prays or well, prophesies. And we just talked about prophesying in the past episode. Last week we told you prophesy means preach, to declare the word of God, to to speak forth. So there's a presumption that women prophesied, preached in this context. Clearly they were preaching. So y'all out there who get mad at these women preachers. They're going to let a woman preach. You're going to have to deal with Paul, <laughs> the person that you use. The one you use to say they can't. Saying that in Corinth, women were actually prophesying. They were foretelling. They were proclaiming the word of God in this context. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Because no, because chapter 14, oh boy. he going to say, Wait a minute, no, because let's go to chapter 14 to read that then. Uh-huh. Uh Where's uh, uh, verse 26? What then, brothers, chapter 14, when you come together, each one has a hymn, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation, that all things be done for building up. If any speak a, in a tongue, let there be only two or most three, each in turn, and let someone interpret. But if there is no one to interpret, let each of them mm. keep silent in the church and speak to himself and to God. Mm -hmm. 
Let two or three prophets speak and let the others weigh what is said. If a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent for you all or for you can all prophesy one by one. Now, later on, verse 34, Mm -hmm. the women should keep silent in the churches. Now, wait, because that's the one. That's it. Can't preach. Just stop there. But no. (laughs) He said everybody should keep silent first. Mm. Then he goes to unpack how tongues should be explained, interpreted. And he says when tongues are explained or interpreted, let the women keep. He, he's not talking about preaching. Mm-hmm. He's talking about explaining tongues. And particularly in this context, it is again for the sake of difference yeah. from the temple at Aphrodite, where they too had ecstatic experiences yeah. and spoke in tongues, but they were all priestesses because it was Aphrodite, the goddess of sex, which they thought was the goddess of love. So don't mirror the chaos don't that y'all see. Don't mirror over there. that. That's what that is about. Mm. He, yeah. didn't, he already addressed that women can preach in chapter 11. He's already said it. Or it's understood. He doesn't have to say women can preach. Women are preaching. Yeah, yeah. And then even from a cultural context with the men being able to cover their head, there is a social custom there yeah. that Paul is getting at. I know, you know, black church context, you come into church and big mama going to make you take the hat off. <laughs> okay. <laughs> she might not be alluding to this verse, but in this particular context, uh, people in Rome who were socially elite wore head coverings. Yes. So Paul says, I want you to to take all of that social elitism off your head yes. when you walk into God's house because I don't want people, as James lays out, treating one person right. better than another person. I don't want the proclaimer to put him or herself above the people. So when it comes to the men, take it off your head. When it comes to the woman, put it on your head symbolically, Mm. symbolically for that cultural context. Look at me. Four people in Corinth Mm -hmm. in the first century, Mm -hmm. women, if you are a woman in Corinth in A.D. 65, if that's you, then keep your head covered. (laughs) But if you're not. And don't cut your hair. (laughs) And don't cut your hair. Yeah. Now, now here's the thing. We also know that this is not a universal principle. It talks about the man's long hair being. Paul talking about me right here. Mm. Being ashamed of him and a woman's short hair being ashamed of her. We know that this is not universal because one of the Old Testament's, Old Covenant's most sacred vows was that of a Nazarite. Nazarite, yeah. Where a person did not cut his hair. Examples being Samson, John the Baptist. Mm -hmm. These persons were Nazarites. So Mm -hmm. Paul is not talking about something universal for all cultures in all time. What is this passage about then, John? Why do we have this passage? If it ain't telling us to cover our head or not cover our head or Mm -hmm. to have long hair or to have short hair, what is this passage about this, at least from from my perspective, this passage is about being a witness in a culture that its practices could be reflected in the local congregational context. John, when we back up to chapter ten, yeah, 
We, we read this in early episodes. Chapter 10, verse 23. All things are lawful. Mm-hmm. Not all things are helpful. Yeah. Yeah. All things are lawful. I can do what I, I can want do to it. do. But not all things build up. Mm. Let no one seek his own good but the good of his neighbor. Eat whatever sold in the meat market. The same idea of mm-hmm. whether I can eat meat offered to an idol. Yeah. Eat whatever's in the meat market without raising any questions on the ground of conscience. Yeah. The earth is the Lord's, the fullness thereof. Then he comes all the way down to chapter 11, verse 1, which really should be um, the end of chapter 10, mm-hmm. or, the, or the chapter should continue, mm-hmm. be imitators of me as I'm imitated as I am of Christ. Yeah. So here's what I want you to do. He, he says, check out how I do things. Yeah. I'm always sensitive to the culture. You have to be. You have to be. That, that's, that's, then he says, verse 2, now I commend you because you remember me and everything. Mm. Like, so you see me doing this. Paul has said in chapter 9, mm. I become all things to all people so I can win some. Yeah. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to give you an example of cultural sensitivity that keeps people from misseeing Christ in mm. your worship and misrepresenting Christ to others. Yeah. So for the sake of the people there, yeah. if you're a woman and it's your time to preach, put the, th- put the thing on your head. If you're a man and it's your time to preach, don't put it on your head. Yeah. And to your point earlier, when he says, when you ask the question, well, why, Paul? He says, because of the messengers. There are going to be nosy people. And if they come in and say there's no difference between what I'm seeing in Aphrodite's temple mm-hmm. and what's happening among this community, Christian community, then you've destroyed your witness, your Christian witness. So Paul is as sensitive as he needs to be to the culture to understand that the gospel can be hindered by them looking just like what's happening over in Africa. I can get this over there. Same and thing. if I can get this over there, why do I need to come here? I, I'm going to give you one more thing because we're talking about marriage again. He's talking about a husband and wife. When he says man and wife, it lets us know he's not talking about male and female or men and women. He's talking about two married folks. Mm-hmm. Man who is married, take the hair covering off. Woman who's married, keep the hair covering off. Show, because again, in Corinth, it was a free-for-all. Mm-hmm. He's going to address in chapter 5 a guy who was sleeping with his dad's wife, his stepmother. <laughs> He's going to address that and say, y'all got to put this dude out Mm -hmm. until he repents. Mm -hmm. So look, it is the equivalent of saying, Mm -hmm. when you get up before the congregation, have your wedding ring on. Mm -hmm. That is the same thing. Same thing. Now, does the Bible command me wear your ring at all times? No, (laughs) the Bible does not command that at all. But for the sake of the culture, to demonstrate Christ-like commitment, do that. Mm. Same kind of idea. We're talking about things that make, am I going to hell if I don't have on my red <laughs> ring? Does it mean I'm not committed because I don't have on my red ring? Right. No. It just simply says something to the culture that this person has a person he's committed to. He's married mm. to a person, and he is committed to that person, and it is public mm. demonstration of it. Mm. Same thing. Yeah. Same thing. Same thing. You know what? Let's talk about a passage that I think is actually scary for some people. Mm-hmm. This communion passage oh, that man. we find in mm-hmm. First Corinthians 11 because they don't understand 
the cultural context in which it's written. Oh, yeah. So later in chapter 11, Paul addresses an issue that's been happening with the Lord's Supper with the people of God and in Corinth. Um, the Lord's Supper was taken by Christians early in the church. Uh, Jesus told them to. He said, mm-hmm. do this in remembrance of me. So they take the bread and the wine to remember his sacrifice um, on the cross. So let me let me let me throw in, John. St. Mark knows some some of them know long time. I say it all the time. What we do mm-hmm. at the church cookout is more like what Jesus had in mind for the Lord's Supper than the little wafer and the little mm. swig of juice that we mm. take. Mm. It's, it's a meal. Mm. Okay? So we do it, we take the little wafer, we take the little swig of juice as, in a way, an overcorrection for what Paul is going to address here. Mm. Um, some of it is overcorrection for what Paul is going to address here. Some of it is because of economic realities of trying yeah. to feed you know, I, I couldn't, I, <laughs> if I had to feed every first Sunday, <laughs> listen, you talk about a restoration project, trying to feed all y'all. We might need a restoration. Every, every first Sunday. <laughs> That's true. Um, so, so, I mean, there, there's that reality, but, mm. but, but it's supposed to be a time, it's a, it's a meal. You sit down, you have meals together. That's what the mm. idea is. Yeah. yeah. So he's addressing when they come together for the Lord's Supper. And I'm going to read some verses here. Yeah. I'll start in uh, number 20. Uh, when you come together, he says to them, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat. Mm-mm. For in eating, Mm-mm. each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry and another gets drunk. John, you're saying to me, first of all. <laughs> <laughs> How do you get drunk on grape juice? I don't know. Welch's does. I don't know. Welch's can't do that for you. So are you suggesting to me? I'm not. The text. Are you saying, <laughs> Paul said, that they were using real wine? You messed up. All the Baptists, all the Baptist folks now. Wait a minute. They're using real wine. Real wine. Yeah. And a, and you can't, you know, the little juice. You couldn't get drunk off that little. Cannot. So they were they were doing enough wine. To get drunk. To potentially. Mm-hmm. Now, they passed the buzz. Listen, <laughs> what I'm told is drunk <laughs> is beyond buzzed. <laughs> That's what I hear. Yeah. Yeah. So you're sitting down. You're having a meal. And they are abusing Mm. Now, these elements and Paul said that first of all, don't stop calling it communion because that ain't what you do. That ain't it. That ain't what you do. That ain't it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And he says, "Do you not have houses?" He says, "What? <laughs> do you not have houses to eat and drink in?" He doesn't tell him not to get drunk. He, he just he says, <laughs> go, "Y'all can do that at the go, house. Go to the house if that's what you try to do." <laughs> anyway, or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? Mm. What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. And then he goes on and talks about how he received the instructions for the Lord's Supper. Mm -hmm. And in verse 27, he says, whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner. Old King James says unworthily. unworthily, Yes. Yes. Will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. Let the person examine himself then. And so eat of the bread and drink of the cup for anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment mm. 
on himself. Hmm. So in context, when he's talking about being unworthy there, he's talking about this social favoritism where people were actually drinking to get drunk and left nothing in terms of communion for other folks. Inequity economically yep. is what he's addressing. Yep. Mm-hmm. He's addressing the fact that they would get there, the host, because again, they didn't have 5722 West 12th Street. Mm. If In order to have church, you had to go to somebody's house and you went to the person who had the big house. Yeah. They had the economic means to host people. Mm. Be, uh, bread would be baked. Wine would be purchased or brought up from wherever they were storing it. And sometimes the host would call in the favorite few first. Yeah. Church started 11 o'clock. Y'all get here 930. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they would eat bread and they would do a banquet. They weren't doing a fellowship meal mm-hmm. as Christ intended. They, w- they weren't waiting on one another. And that's how you eat and drink of it unworthily. It wasn't about grace. It was about greed. Yeah. And in this context, greed was showing up big time in the Corinthian church. And Paul says, I don't need y'all doing that. Because you're not, that's not, you're not, he says, as often as you do it, Jesus said, you show my death. Mm. That's not showing his death. His death was sacrificial. His death, death was not selfish. Mm. Some of us grew up in context. We grew up in church context. where We were told if you... Um, uh, if you sinned in the past week, yep. then you can't take communion. Well, guess what? None of us <laughs> would ever if yeah. that was the case. Or you got re- you got to repent of your sin before you come to the Lord's table. Can you imagine how scary that is for a young person to be in church and be like, oh, yeah. if I drink this. <laughs> yeah. And then the, the, the other part is then you got to lie in church. And take it anyway, because you sure don't want to let it skip you. And they'd be like, well, what did well, you, what do? you do this week? <laughs> Lord have mercy, you must have done. Who <laughs> made you been? <laughs> you know. So you're still drinking yeah, so you, and, you, and, you, and, and drinking a lot. <laughs> I'm good. No, you're not. You raggedy like the rest of us. It's not about the worthiness of the person. Yeah. It's about the manner in which the mindset mm. of the person is the mentality. My father would say that the Lord's Supper is like taking out the family photo album. Jesus says, remember me. And we go to the pictures of the cross. That's good. And we watch and we remember and we think and we reminisce. And that's what the Mm -hmm. Lord's Supper is supposed to be. It is also it is also horizontal. Mm -hmm. The the whole point right here is that, man, if you are the one able to provide this bread and this wine, Mm -hmm. then how dare you Mm -hmm. let the people who are destitute, poor or unable suffer? when it is your responsibility to ensure that they have something to eat and drink that day. I thought they were supposed to pull themselves up by their own bootstraps. What boots and what straps? They, <laughs> yeah, you have the boots and the straps to give <laughs> and to pull while they are, are in that particular yeah. economic condition. And the yeah. more I read scripture, mm. John, the more I read the, 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 the New Testament, especially the more I see over and over again the lack of individuality mm. and the absolute essentiality of com- of community and the epistles might bear that out mm. um, in a way that is clearest among all the scripture. It is so clear in the yeah. epistles that you don't receive Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. Yeah. He's my Lord. He's my Savior. Okay, mm. that's cool, but we will know it 
by how you interact with other people around you. And to see this inequity play itself out, not just in the culture around them, but in the local church community. Yeah. Yeah. Is really telling because even people who are followers of Jesus can treat other folks within the same fellowship and congregation Mm -hmm. as less than. And Paul is standing there, standing up and saying, this should not be so. It should not be so. And and John, I'm so grateful that you said that to all the people who are not members of St. Mark, because certainly nobody in St. Mark (laughs) thinks you're better than somebody else in St. Mark. Certainly. Those of you who attend or attended a certain service don't think you're better than people who attended another service or because you live in a certain part of Little Rock or the community mm-hmm. at large. Surely you do not because you would be ridiculous to think so. Mm-hmm. I yeah. mean, hypothetically. Yeah, we, we got good people. We If a St. Mark <laughs> member thought like that, that would be foolish and crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And something to be repented of immediately, even right now, if mm. that had ever been the case, which it cannot be at all. Mm. Mm. Never. Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> so let's look at uh, Philemon. Yeah. I think we can probably uh, close our time together today, tonight with Philemon. And I think this this text, it can take us out real good. Yeah. So 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 we done already established that Paul believes women can preach. We already established that. Yeah. So we 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 dealt with that myth. Mm-hmm. Here's the other myth that and, we talked and, about a little bit earlier. And I just I just feel a, a prophetic move in my spirit that I'm gonna get an email or somebody's gonna get an email. <laughs> <laughs> It'll that. come somewhere. About I promise that. you about that. <laughs> and it's not gonna say per my last email. No, it's not gonna say. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Philemon, we're gonna look at, and hopefully this helps debunk this myth that Paul was pro-slavery, at least based on what we know about slavery in our context. And yes. we'll talk about occasion and context here in a minute. But this is a 25-verse letter mm-hmm. that really, um, really, really demonstrates Paul ethic mm-hmm. when it comes to slavery and when it comes to relationships between slaves and masters in this particular context. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm not going to read all the verses. I think we need to look at the audience and then look at the occasion sure. first, and then we'll kind of unpack some of the verses as we as we go along. Yeah. So uh, when we talk about the occasion for this letter, uh, Paul had run across a runaway slave. I mm-hmm. mean, someone who had left their master mm-hmm. and come under Paul's teaching. Mm-hmm. And interestingly, Paul met him while he is in prison. Yes. And often calls himself a doulos Mm -hmm. or a slave of the Lord Jesus. So he meets this slave uh, Onesimus uh, while he is imprisoned and he tells him something very interesting in his conversation with him. He could have he could have kept him on his ministry team. Right. Right. But he learns that Onesimus has run away from Philemon, Mm -hmm. uh, his master, and he tells him something. Uh, And Paul writes this letter uh, based on that conversation that he's had with Onesimus. And he writes it to Philemon and then a couple of other people in his household, Mm -hmm. Achaia and Archippus. Right. Yeah. So so that's where we find ourselves. Anything else you want to add there? 
I want to get to what the getting to is. <laughs> I want to get to what the getting to is. And I, and, and I really want to get to Paul's motivation. Mm-hmm. I want to clarify his belief and get to his motivation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, Paul has, uh, most believe, led this gentleman to Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see that in, in parts of the letter. And now he sends him back mm-hmm. to his master. That's why would he send him why back? Why would the apostle Paul send this slave spoiler alert it ain't just spiritual (laughs) it's not just for spiritual purposes there are there's a practical economic reason Mm. why he sends him back yeah yeah so we see paul here sending this slave back to his master now pastor john pastor p y'all just told us that this is going to fix all of Paul's slave issues. Mm-hmm. And you telling me mm-hmm. that this man went on the Underground Railroad right. with Harriet Tubman. He got free. Got free. And you telling him to go back to the South? Mm. What's mm. that all about? This isn't chattel slavery. First of all. First, this is not. <laughs> um, in this cultural context, often slaves were people who owed debt. Mm-hmm. Or sometimes they would be captured in war or other things. Um, slaves had some rights. They could own houses. They could raise families, things of that nature. They could make money. Mm-hmm. Um, many of them did make money. Uh, they could make money and buy their freedom mm-hmm. in, many, in, in some instances, and history bears out that that happened. Um, the, the, listen, I'm not justifying any form of slavery. We don't. Right. Let's be clear about that. Mm. In every form, no matter how many rights an enslaved person is given, it is a disgusting, ugly offense mm. to the image of God that is stamped on every human person. Mm. So let's let's get that out of out of the way. But when we read it from the lens of the horrible history of this nation. And when we see, hear slavery in scripture and see in our minds American slavery or, or slavery of the Middle Passage and, and, uh, and the West, we gotta grab it's not the same thing in, its, in how it's worked out. Yeah, yeah. So that's, that's one of the keys to grabbing this. So Philemon potentially, Pastor John, has a wife, potentially has children. Mm-hmm. Or would have a wife and have children Mm. so that though personally free, if he had a wife and children who were back there, Mm. they would be responsible for his debt. Or if he ever married and had a wife and children, they would then be responsible for his debt so that Onesimus or whoever he sold the debt to Uh, or, or, or Philemon, Philemon, rather, yeah. Philemon, mm-hmm. um, whoever he sold the debt to, could potentially take his wife and his children, yeah. or keep them, or in some at some point in the future take them, in order to work off debt. Onesimus's debt. Yeah. So Paul's practical economic concern mm. is that it's better to be freed. Let me get you some legal freedom. As opposed to, yeah. So that you're not always looking over your shoulder mm-hmm. and that you are free economically. Yeah. So Paul wasn't being deep and spiritual here. He, this wasn't just spooky. <laughs> this wasn't just spooky. 
Now, what he's going to do is bring the gospel he to bear, will, which for I sure. love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. the point was not just Christian brotherhood, which it is there, mm-hmm. but also mm-hmm. economic liberation mm-hmm. for Onesimus and yeah. his family and his progeny. Mm. Let's yeah. look at Paul's plea here. Yeah. Because we see the greeting, customary greeting. Mm. We see his love and thanksgiving for yeah, yeah. And uh, it's, Philemon. It's all, it's all ironic. Like, man, you really know Jesus. <laughs> you, you know really, and love you, Jesus. Man, you love him for real. I know it. But now I got something for you. Let me ask you something. Let me ask, <laughs> let me AKS. Let me ask you something right quick. So I'm going I'm to read verses 8 through 16, actually. So accordingly, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to mm-hmm. do what is required, mm-hmm. yet for love's sake, I prefer to appeal to you. I, Paul, an old man and now a prisoner also for Christ Jesus, I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Mm -hmm. Formerly, he was useless Useless. to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. I am sending him back to you, sending my very heart. I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel. Paul's funny. In order that he might serve me on your behalf. Right. right. I would have kept him. Watch watch the words, man. Watch the words. It's all, it's, man, this is like, it's, it's, it's not quite slick petty. It's like, it's slick. I'm I'm tolling you something. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm not telling you something. I'm tolling you something right here. It might sound like I'm asking, yeah, but yeah. I'm telling you. You're right. He says, I'm not asking I'm not commanding, I'm asking, which means I'm not asking, I'm commanding. <laughs> I'm sending him to you, which means send him back to me. That's right. This is really right. what Paul is doing. It's all ironic. It's inside out. You got to read him for what he's saying. He says in four, verse 14, but I prefer to do nothing <laughs> without your consent <laughs> in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion, but of your own accord. For this perhaps is why he is parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever. No longer... As a bond servant, servant, mm-hmm. but more than a bond servant, as a beloved brother, yeah. especially to me. But how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord? John, we can't stop there. If he's not we, crying by now, yeah, we, we can't stop there. We can't stop there because he's gonna punch him again with the left hand. That was that was that was a right cross. Here comes the left hook. So if you consider me your partner, mm-hmm. receive him. Yeah. As you would receive me. If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it to say nothing of your (laughs) owing me, even your own self. Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. I ain't even tell you what you owe me. Man, let's not even let's not even <laughs> let's not even add up. Don't remember that time you had McDonald's money? I ain't gonna bring that up. And the time you had no gas for your car, I'm not and the oh you you know Jesus? Well I introduced you to him. Right. I mean he's just <laughs> he's the, the the point of the book of Philemon mm-hmm. or, or what Paul is saying to Philemon is mm-hmm. I'm sending him back, set him free, and send him back to me. That's what that's what this letter is saying. Mm. Yeah. That's what he's saying to the man. Yeah. I'm sending him back so we can get him free the right way. That's the whole thing. Mm. You owe me. That's it. He he belonged to you, mm. not anymore. He belongs to Christ, mm. and he's useful to me. By the way, when he says he w- at one time he was not useful, 
Mm-hmm. It's a play on the name. The name Onesimus mm-hmm. means useful. useful. Yeah. Yeah. At one time he didn't live up to his name. Now he does. Mm. Yeah. And you don't need him. I do. Yeah. And that's what that's what this letter is about. Paul is a liberationist. Now he is clever. Mm-hmm. Even the passages where he says the slaves obey your masters. When he speaks to masters, he speaks about treating them, treating your slaves as brothers. This is a mm-hmm. call for liberation. Yeah. And he even says in First Corinthians seven twenty one, mm-hmm. if you can, yeah, win your freedom, yeah, like if it's possible, get out, get on up out of there, yeah. So, so Paul is not this uh, slave master theology. He's not pro slave at all. Not pro slavery at all. That folks have been talking about. This letter really is a beautifully written letter, and I can imagine as Philemon is reading it that he is just crushed to yeah. his heart. Yeah. And as soon as Onesimus comes back, man, I know for a fact he he welcomed him um, as a brother and not as bond servant. He could have been upset. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm, you, sh- I'm you sure the initial me. yeah the initial response <laughs> to him going was, oh wow, you gonna leave me like that? <laughs> but the return mm. um, yeah. challenges challenges the heart. And and in in the same way, yeah. um, Paul. He uses he he inverts his apostolic authority often. It's the same tone of him saying, "I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your body mm. as a living sacrifice." It's it's command, but I'm not mm. I'm not I'm 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 saying it in the form of asking. I'm 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 turning it inside out. Mm. I'm doing. You are being voluntold. <laughs> Yeah, I'm set. telling you what to do, but it's not going to feel like it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're being voluntold mm. to set Onesimus free. That, when we, and sin, again, how do we get that? We get that, we look at the culture, we look at the context, mm. um, then we look at Paul's heart. Yeah. We look at the relationship that Paul clearly has with Philemon. Clearly, there is a deep affection and clearly, there has been some close interaction mm-hmm. where Paul knows he can appeal to Philemon's heart, mm-hmm. conscience, and the fact that I've been there for you, dude. Yeah, yeah. That you you can't say that coldly. That's that's not that's relationship. Yeah, there. that's 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 relationship. Yeah, where I can say give up this gentleman who, and mm-hmm. if what if he owes you anything. Mm-hmm. Charges to me, but that's still on amount to what you really owe me. Mm. You got to know somebody to be able to talk them to them like that. Wow. You know what I mean? And that says a lot about people who try to change and influence folks' behavior without entering into relationship Ooh, with those people. Wee. Are we gonna go there? <laughs> I know we got I know I was, our time's up. I was up, trying but. to get off I was trying to get off the off the off the <laughs> off the soapbox. It 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 it, it happens. Pastor John, it happens in the way we parent our children. Yeah. Um, it happens in the way we do relationships with and among people we go to church with. Mm. It it happens in our attempts at evangelism or or trying to help someone to see the gospel who has a different belief system, those kinds of things. Relationship is always the basis for trust. Mm. Yeah. I'm I'm not going to trust what you're saying to me if I don't trust your love for me. That's good. Yeah. And 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 when we start with being human beings who honor other human beings, 
Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. Whether we agree with you or not, or whether we think you are a, a wretched sinner, well, I guess I am too. Well, mm. I guess I can honor that image of God in you mm. and then communicate God's truth to you mm. in all of the ways and among uh, all of the circumstances that life allows me to do so. Mm. Then perhaps I can I can make this this Philemon letter. Mm. Maybe I, I can be Paul instead of Philemon all the time. And that goes a long way in saying that 21 of the 27 books of the Bible were born out of relationship. Mm-hmm. And how much more we as believers, as we try to be this aroma of Christ to other people, um, how much more should we um, be people who birth relationship before we try to get people to behave in specific ways? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The Bible says we're to speak the truth in love. Yeah. And in so doing, uh, we can be better effective, uh, be more effective witnesses for Christ. Well, thank you for joining us on this episode of the Growth Factor podcast as we closed out our session on genres and closed out with the epistles and letters. I'm looking forward to getting into word studies next mm-hmm. go round, which should be fun. So I want you all to follow us on social media. We have a group called the Growth Factor Group. It's a growing, burgeoning community. We'd love for you all to join us over there as we continue to help you grow uh, here at St. Mark. And then also, we want you to subscribe and follow to our podcast. We, we would love for you all to leave a rating and review as that will help with uh, folks being able to discover what we feel like is an important uh, aspect of their spiritual growth and development in learning how to study the Bible. So we appreciate you all for sharing and we'll see you all next go round as we look at word studies in scripture. This has been The Growth Factor, a broadcast ministry of St. Mark Baptist Church. Be sure to follow this podcast on your favorite podcast platform and join our Facebook group, The Growth Factor, for daily motivational content. Let's keep the conversation going. Thank you for listening.